You know, there are lots of things about the Christian faith that I'm incredibly thankful for because you're not going to find them in any other philosophy. You're not going to find them in any other faith system or belief system around the world. There's a lot of things that are exclusively found in and because of Jesus Christ. And we could be here all day long talking about example after example after example of that. But one thing that stands out to me above a lot of those examples is the wonderful fact that we don't have to go through a priest to be made right with God. We don't need a human priest to make us right with God. That's good news. Are you excited about that? That's something to, that, I mean, that fact alone, uh, not talking about anything else even, uh, with all the blessings we have through Christ, that fact by itself should be enough to get you up out of bed and get you going and get you excited and should be motivation for you to serve and love your Savior. I mean, that alone. We don't need any human to make us right with God. And the reason we don't need that is because we have one mediator. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's our access, people. He is our way to God. First, coming to him through salvation, all through your life, through your sanctification, in that moment when you're called out of this life, either through death or through his return, he is always the mediator, and he always will be. And that is why we don't need a human to stand in front of us or to stand in place of us, because we have the God-man who forever does that. Are you thankful for that this morning? Let's, let's just praise our Savior together this morning for the fact that he is our way, our perfect way. Amen. Amen. And like we talked about last week, that Jesus is the preeminent prophet. We talked last week about the fact that in Jesus, the divine, the perfect prophet, we have the full and the final and the perfect revelation of all that God is. And like that, as we look today at his priesthood, it's the same thing, that Jesus is the preeminent priest. And his priesthood is far superior than any other and every other priesthood. In every way, in every way, Christ's priesthood is superior to every single other priesthood. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come and we just want to honor you and thank you for who and what you are. Lord Jesus, we we know you are our Savior. And certainly those of us who have come to you as that, we we treasure that. We we should never grow cold to the amazing fact of all that you went through to be our Savior. But Lord Jesus, there is so much more to your ministry than just the work of Savior. And under that, there are so many different facets. And then today, as we, as we focus in on the fact that you are our great high priest, Lord Jesus, I pray by your Spirit, you would tune our hearts to that reality. Help us to hear your spirit clearly through every word spoken. 
We give you praise for who you are. We thank you for being our great high priest. And we pray that as we look into that deeply today, we ask that you would take what is said, what is heard, and that by your spirit you would apply that to our hearts and our minds and our lives and help us going forward to come back to that truth, to embrace that truth, and to continue to apply it and to share it with others who need to know it. We give you praise for what you will do. In your great name we pray. Amen. So I want to talk to you about the ways that Christ's priesthood is far superior to every other priesthood before him. First of all, I want to encourage you with this incredible, truly awesome fact and reality that his priesthood, Christ's priesthood, isn't limited by human mortality. His priesthood isn't limited by human mortality. The Bible tells us about that in Hebrews chapter 7, beginning in verses 23 and 25. It says this, The former priests, that's all the priests who served before Christ, and there were many, many, many different priests all throughout Israel's history, like there were many different prophets. The former priests were many in number, and here's why, because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. That's, that's pretty common sense, right? They didn't live forever, so when one died, someone else took their place. That's, that's what happens. But look at this contrast here. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's what we need. Verse 24, but he, Christ, holds his priesthood permanently. Because he continues forever. Consequently, here's the good part. Here's where it gets really good. Consequently, he, Christ, the ever-living priest, the divine priest, the preeminent priest, he, because of his living forever, he is able to save to the uttermost. That's awesome right there. Because that means that he is able to save completely and forever. Jesus doesn't save anyone halfway, church. You come to Christ, he saves all of you. You come to Christ, you're able to be changed, not a little bit, but completely. When the Bible says that every person that comes to him is a new creation, is made new, it means new entirely, top to bottom, inside and out. That's what Jesus does. He saves to the uttermost. Those who draw near to God through him. Since, and it gets even better, since he always lives to do something very specific, very needed by all of us. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Whew. Church, Jesus doesn't just save us. He doesn't just make us new. He pleads our case. And he constantly intercedes for us in addition to saving us. And that's exactly the kind of priest, the kind of high priest we need. Because we still, even after being gloriously saved, all of us, 
Doesn't matter how you came to Christ, if you've been saved, you've been saved gloriously. Every salvation is a miracle, it's a raising of the dead. But no matter how you came to Christ, no matter what we've done, no matter how we are now after coming to Christ, we still, each of us, unfortunately, can still sin incredibly easily and frequently. And we do. All of us, we do that. We sin easily and we sin frequently. Sad but true. And so because of that fact, we need someone. We don't just need a Savior. We need a Savior who is also our priest to intercede before the Father on our behalf. And the other reason we need that is because we, we have, as we see here, a Savior, a priest who ever lives to make intercession for us. But, but here's what's so significant to that beyond the fact that we need it ourselves. It's because we also have an enemy who ever lives to accuse us. See, we, as we sin, we have an enemy who many times has led us to that sin, who has tempted us toward that sin. I mean, it's still our responsibility. Don't and don't mistake what I'm saying. The, the whole devil made me do it thing, that falls flat. Because we're still responsible for our own choices and our own actions. But we do have an enemy who works on us, who knows the right buttons to push, who knows when we're at our weakest and entices us in that way. But that enemy doesn't stop there. Once we have chosen foolishly and tragically to still sin after being saved, he loves nothing more than to take all of that and throw it in the face of the Almighty God. We know that from Job, that he goes right with all the rest of the angels, right before the Father, and he makes accusation. We know that from Revelation, that the enemy accuses the brethren day and night, and until the day when he is stopped finally and fully, which is coming, it's coming, he will be stopped from all of that. But until that day, whenever that is in God's sovereignty, the enemy, Satan, accuses the brethren day and night, incessantly. That's you and that's me if we're in Christ. So because we have an enemy who ever lives to accuse, we need a savior, a priest mightier than him to ever intercede for you and me. And so what happens? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. This is, this is perhaps the single greatest reason to come to Christ. That you have access to a high priest to intercede for you. Because what happens is this. You and I, we're saved. But we, for some reason, one or another, we choose to indulge the flesh. We give in to sin. We know that. We, we tell God we're sorry. We, we admit what we've done. We say, God, I, I have sinned against you again. I have broken your your commandment in this way or that way. I have tarnished the name of Christ. I have defamed your holiness. Forgive me, please. And the reason that we have that forgiveness when we ask for that, 1 John 1, 9 tells us we do, the reason we have that is twofold. One, because Jesus Christ paid for that forgiveness with his blood on the cross. But the second reason is because we have in heaven, if we were able to, to peel that back and we were able to look into the throne room of Almighty God, we would see this scene. We would see the enemy there accusing you and me. And he'd be saying to Almighty God, the Father on his throne, can you believe that? Did, did you really see 
what they just did again for the thousandth time? Did you hear? I mean, did you really hear what they said? Did you see what they looked at? Were were you there with them when they did that activity that they know is sin and that you have warned them and told them and instructed them about time and time again and yet they did it again? Did you see that? Almighty God? And the, the father would have to say, yes, I know exactly what they did. Yes, you're right. They, they sinned against me. They broke my commandment again. Yes, they blasphemed my name by their action. They are guilty of sin. You're right. Because God is just. But thankfully, the scene doesn't end there. Listen, the scene doesn't end there. That's not the end of the story. That's not the final word. Because right there at the same time that accusation is happening, we have a savior, a champion, a great high priest who says, not so fast. Yes, they sinned. They committed that sin again. Yes, they broke the pure holy law of God. Yes, they're outside of God's holiness and his will for them by that choice, by that decision, by that action. But they are are mine because they have trusted in me for their salvation and my blood covers them and with my blood so does my righteousness and so when the father looks at you and me sinners though we may be he does not see the sin covering us he sees the blood of his son covering us and he sees us clothed in righteousness And that's all through our great high priest who pleads our case and takes the attention away from the accusation and puts it on the intercession. That's who we have, church, as our great high priest. That's what he does in his constant intercession for you and me. Isn't that great? No other person could ever do that for us or be what we need other than Jesus. I hope you know him today. I hope you know him. So his priesthood isn't limited by human mortality and it enables him to continue forever and to intercede for us forever in all the ways we need him to. But also his priesthood, this is the other, another way it's far superior than any other priest who has gone before him. His priesthood isn't limited by the sinfulness of humanity. It's not limited by human mortality, but it's also not limited by the sinfulness of humanity. Still in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 26 and 27 tell us this, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He This unique divine priest, Jesus, he has no need, like those high priests, the ones who've come before him, to offer sacrifices daily like they had to do, first for his own sins, and then for those of the people which every single priest had to do. No priest was immune to sin other than Jesus Christ. Every other priest to occupy the office needed sacrifice and atonement and intercession for themselves. He had no need for that. Since he did this once for all, 
when he offered up, listen to this, when he offered up himself. You see, church, we need to remember and understand and fall on our knees in praise to the fact that Jesus made the necessary sacrifice. He did that. He made the sacrifice to end all other sacrifices, the once-for-all sacrifice that we all needed. He did that. He made the necessary sacrifice, which he alone could do. But it wasn't just that. He was the necessary sacrifice. Very God, holy infinite, perfect, didn't just come to make the sacrifice we needed. He came to be that very sacrifice. The one who, like the Father, could not stand to even look at sin because the Son, as the Father, is perfect in holiness, totally removed from any sin, unable to tolerate it even for a minute. We have to remember that all the attributes of the Father are in the Son. And so this Son, who despises sin just as much as his Father, willingly became sin for you and me. All for the purpose of ending it for you and me. And releasing it from its penalty, from its weight. He did not just provide or make the necessary sacrifice. He provided it. He was the necessary sacrifice. And only a divine priest could do that. Only a divine priest. And Jesus is that priest. You know, my son, Aiden, he's three. We have this ritual every night. Whether it's me or my wife putting him to bed, he will not go to sleep unless we first pray with him, which is great. It's wonderful. But then he also requires that we sing, every night, we sing, Jesus loves me. And every night I ask him, do you want me to sing to you? And he says, yes, daddy. And every night I'm wondering if there's going to be a different song. Like I say, I I ask the question, even though I know the answer, I say, what do you want me to sing, Aiden? Jesus loves me. He wants me to sing, Jesus loves me every time. And the same with Leanne. Um, so if you're at our house at any point, or, you know, between 9 and 10 p.m., um, you're going to hear that, you know, one of us singing that. Um, that's what we do. He loves it. He loves Jesus, loves me. And you know what? We all need to love that song and that truth, as simple as it may be. Jesus loves me, this I know. And the way we know that Jesus loves me is because of what we just talked about right, right here. The fact that we have a divine priest, the eternal Son of God, who though he hated sin, was willing to become sin for us so that all the sin that you and I would ever commit would be placed on him and the wrath of the Father would fall on him instead of you and me. Jesus loves me. This I know. You never need to wonder or or imagine whether or not he does. You need to look no further than his priestly provision, and his priestly sacrifice. This means, this means for all of us that everything about Christ's priesthood is exactly what we need. And it always will be, forever. Everything about Christ's priesthood is exactly what we need. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 enforce this wonderful truth. 
the Bible says this, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us, that's what we need to, how we should respond in light of all that we have in him, let us hold fast our confession. Why? Why can we? Why should we? Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This means, church, oh, I hope, oh, I hope this just does something to your heart, to your very soul, because this means, this means that he can perfectly represent us as the divine perfect high priest that he is, removed from us, separated from our sin, separated from our humanity. This means he can perfectly represent us unlike anyone else could ever do. But it also means that he can cover us in his righteousness and at the same time perfectly relate to us. Did you hear me on that? Not only can he perfectly represent us and perfectly cover us in righteousness, which we need, but while he's doing that, he can perfectly relate to us and to our human experience. It's always encouraging whenever we have someone who, no matter what we've gone through or are going through, who can say legitimately, I understand. Isn't that always encouraging when that happens? It's always a precious thing. I mean, there's, there's people who mean well and, and they say, I'm so sorry. You know, like when you've, when you've gone through a death, when you've lost a loved one and your heart is just ripped up. When you lost your job and you have no idea how you're going to go on and make ends meet. When a marriage is torn in two. When whatever tragedy comes in, you fill in the blank. It's, it's always appreciated, you know, when someone says, I am so sorry. And they mean that. I mean, that's, that's all good and well. But when someone comes to you and says, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly what you're dealing with. I understand where you're coming from. I get you. When that happens and you know they can, there's just something about that, right? That just kind of picks you up and it's like, wow, that's, that's good. I, I need that. And, and you, you naturally are going to gravitate toward that person. You're going to kind of depend on that person. You're going you're to put your weight on that person a little bit more than other people because you can. Listen to me, everyone. We have a Savior who though perfect in every way, majestic in every way, high and exalted above the very heavens, we have one though who still is able to say to every temptation that you and I will ever experience and face, every weakness that throws us, every struggle that is about to wreck us, every time we have a Savior and a high priest who says and means it, I understand. I get it. I've been there. But here's the power that goes beyond that. 
He doesn't just say, I understand, I've been there, I get it, I know how you're feeling. As one who went through the same thing and buckled under the pressure and under the weight and made the same sinful mistake that you and I are so prone to, I mean, that wouldn't be that powerful. That wouldn't be really different from any of us being able to come alongside one another. The, the power is that he says, I know exactly what you've been through. I know that temptation that just comes at you and wrecks your mind and heart. I know what it is to be under the pressure of failure in your humanity. I've walked where you've walked. I've been where you've been. But here's the power, and he, because he's able to say, but I overcame it. I didn't give in. I have a victory over all that that I give to you. See, that's the power. That's the power. The, the power is in what this verse says at the end there of, of verse 15. In every respect, every single respect, that means literally every way you and I can be tempted. He was too. Here's the beauty though. Yet without sin. That enabled us to have a perfect high priest to plead our case perfectly and to give us perfect righteousness and to give us perfect eternal victory. The key for all of us, church, is to embrace it. To recognize that in him and in him alone, not just understanding is what we have, but power over whatever comes our way. It's in him alone. We, choose, we just need to choose to accept it, to surrender to it, to rest in it, to depend on it. And then here's the result of that, verse 16. Let us then, in light of all of that, because of that being true, let us then with confidence. It's a great word, isn't it? Think about it. Confidence. Even the very word just kind of makes you sit up a little bit straighter. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Not the throne of judgment. The throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Which is, let's face it, all the time. I mean, we're always, constantly, every minute, in need of grace, right? In need of mercy, in need of help. We're always in that, in that situation. But we have, through Christ, we have access to the very throne of God. And it is not a throne of judgment for us. Because as we know in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So the throne that is judgment to humanity outside of Christ because of Christ is now a throne of grace and mercy. The scepter is constantly extended. Come, come, come and find rest. Come and find joy. Come and find grace and mercy and strength to keep going on. All through Jesus, our great high priest. And then church, it doesn't stop there. Maybe the most amazing, undeserved thing we could ever have is an invitation. Weak, sinful, prone to failure as we are, an invitation to not just come to this priest, not just know him and have access to mercy and grace through him, 
But he, this great high priest, enables us to share in his priestly ministry. Is is that not amazing or what? He, being who he is, and us being who we are, yet he enables us to share in his priestly ministry. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 5 tell us that. As you come to him, Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. As we do that, as we come to him, that stone, that priest, that savior, you yourselves, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, like a temple. To be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices, which is the job of a priest, right? It's the task of a priest. And that means, that's in general, um, you know, like our whole selves, that's the spiritual sacrifice that that involves in general, our, our entire person. That's what Romans 12:1 instructs us to do. Therefore, brethren, in view of God's mercy, I urge you to present yourselves, your whole self, your entire person, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. That's, that's the idea of Romans 12.1. That's really part of what this means. But it, it also involves things specific like the sacrifice of praise, the sacrifice of prayer, not just for our own needs, but intercessory prayer. We're commanded to do that, to pray for one another, to intercede for one another. So it involves prayer, praise, and it involves serving God and others with our, with our life, with our time, our talents, our treasures. So it, we're to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Second Peter 2, 4 through 5. That's what we're called to do. That's what it means to be in Christ. It means to know you have need of an intercessor, that you have need of someone to make a sacrifice for all of your sins that no one else could ever do for you. And it means knowing that, embracing that, gives you constant access to the mercy and grace of God that we all need. But in addition to all that, as we just saw, it means that we also recognize that we are now called in to that same priestly role as the divine priest. What a privilege. What a gift that is. That you and I could function in any way as a priest. And we can't do that because of anything we have or possess. Can't do that because of any good that's in us. We do that strictly and exclusively because of and through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my question to you is, in what condition are your priestly garments? Are they in good shape? You wear them often? Wear them regularly? Or are they kind of moth-eaten, kind of in shambles? Because you can't remember the last time you exercised that role or that office. We're called to be 
priests under the great high priest church. It's what it means to be a Christian. It means we're to intercede regularly for one another. We're to intercede regularly for our, our, our government and those in authority over us. We're to intercede regularly for our spiritual leaders. We're to intercede regularly for our spouses. We're to intercede regularly for our children. We're to intercede regularly, regularly for any and everything that comes to our attention that is in need of prayer. So I want us to exercise that today, and maybe, hopefully, that'll kind of jumpstart that if you haven't been exercising that. Or maybe you didn't even realize that's what you're called to. Well, now you do. Now you know that's what you're called to do. Having come to this priest for yourself, you now, through him and under him, are to function as a priest. So what I want to do, I'm going to ask someone to come up and just play uh, softly for us, uh, instrumentally. And I'm going to ask one of our, our new members and recent victors from the Sparrow's Nest. I'm going to ask Lisa to go ahead and come up. She's going to stand right down here. And Lisa is facing a pretty significant surgery this week. This Wednesday, I think it is, right, Lisa? In Morgantown. And you know how it is to face any surgery even a minor one, it's nerve-wracking, right? There's anxiety that comes in. And that goes up anytime it's any type of significant thing. So what I want us to do is, is as a church body, as a royal priesthood, which is what we are in and through Christ, I want us to intercede for our sister. And I want us to lift her up before God right now. And I want it to be the start of a continual intercession for her all week long, okay? Can you do that? Can you covenant to pray for your sister as she faces this surgery? And I'm going to invite anyone who wants to, please don't feel pressured to, but anyone who would like to, please feel free to come up, place your hand on Lisa or around her, and, and be just lifting her up in prayer as I lead us. So if you would like to do that, come on up now and just, and just place your hands on our sister and you pray as I pray because no pastor has the exclusive or extended role of priest beyond any member in Christ. Do you understand that? I don't have this special ability to be a priest that you don't have. If you're in Christ... You have just as much ability and calling to be a priest under Christ as I do. We're completely on the same page on that in many, many other ways. Let's pray together for our sister. Let's exercise our priestly office. Father, we come to you now thanking you for, first of all, our great high priest, the Lord Jesus. We thank you for all that we have because of him and through him. Thank you for giving us what we need, what no one else could provide in and through Jesus. But Father, you've also called us under Jesus and in and through him to also be priests before you and to intercede for one another. And we do that now. Father, on behalf of my brothers and sisters, on behalf of this church, I lift up to you our sister, Lisa, as she prepares for what is a significant surgery on Wednesday. Father, I pray that you would prepare her heart, 
and her mind that you would release her and free her from any crippling worry or anxiety that the enemy would like to have as part of her, her thinking and is trying to sow into her heart. Father, I ask that you would give her victory from that, that you'd protect her from discouragement, from doubt, from worry, and from fear. For you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. And so, Father, we ask that you would give that to her now and throughout the beginning of this week into her surgery. We ask, Father, that you would also, we lift up to you and we intercede for the medical team that will be working with her. We ask right now for the doctors that will be performing this surgery, that you would give them steady hands, that you would give them clear minds, that they would not make any error even in the smallest way. And Father, we ask that this surgery would result in her good and your glory, because we know that she will give you glory for all that occurs. We ask too, Father, we pray that she would have the chance even to witness to someone in the waiting room or one of the nurses or the doctors that she's with. We pray, Father, for her good and your glory in every single aspect of what is to come. And we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you, Lisa. We love you. Thank you, those who lifted her up in prayer. Keep doing that. And we'll be sure to give you an update as we are able to. Pastor Matthew, can you close us out? Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong, they are weak, but He Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, my Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me. Somebody say amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.